0: Disease X. I need you to talk. Just tell I mean, us about what do you know? I
1: don't know about you, but I was not playing, paying attention during the pandemic planning for COVID-19. In Peter Bragan's book, COVID-19 uh, and the Global Predators, you know there were 36 COVID pandemic preparedness planning events, including uh, the PREP Act in, in 2005 and the Johns Hopkins Spars Seminar in 2015, and the event 201 in 2019, this was telegraphed that there was going to be a coronavirus pandemic. Mr. Fauci said this, that during Trump's administration, there will be a pandemic. And when we look back on it, you know, 36 events, 25 of them written documents and six of them filmed. Now we're being told there's going to be a disease X pandemic. We better pay attention. We better listen. All the yes. experts believe there's too many biolabs out there. There's too many... Gain-of-function uh, diseases that have been created among viruses, bacteria, and fungi, and yeah, there probably will be a disease X because they are man-made biological threats by this biopharmaceutical complex that we outline in our book. That's trying to hold the cards on the threats, and then the the countermeasures, which are vaccines, monoclonal antibodies, and therapeutics. So what we're doing in the United States is people are actually getting armed. Uh, we have the wellness company. Uh, that has emergency kits that uh, with instructions about how to handle a variety of diseases, probably disease X is going to be another virus like COVID. And for most viruses, uh, the real threat is secondary pneumonias. And so you want to be ready for this. If the country shuts down, the clinics no longer help people, you're going to need some backup. So United States Wellness Company, medical kits, there's some other options people can get online. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to fall for masking. Masking doesn't stop transmission of viruses or small particles. And, And what we need to do is to stay strong and show a lot more backbone this time than last time, myself included. A lot more backbone. And boy, we better see the Canadian doctors out there treating patients and not letting them suffer with disease X.
0: Well, thank you everybody for joining us on the Empower Hour. We're excited to have Dr. McCullough on tonight. Although he needs no introduction, we all know him so well. I'm going to just go over a bit of his uh, introduction bio here. So Dr. McCullough is a respected American internist, cardiologist, and epidemiologist. In addition to his many duties, he has also managed the cardiovascular complications of both the viral infection and injuries that developed in patients after receiving the COVID-19 injection. He has dozens of peer-reviewed publications and has commented extensively on the medical response to the COVID-19 crisis. He has reviewed thousands of reports, participated in scientific congresses, group discussion and press releases, has testified before the Congress and continues to do so. We're going to hear that about that tonight and has won numerous awards during his distinguished medical career. As one of the world's top experts on COVID-19, Dr. McCullough, has shown his great strength of character and integrity as he has upheld his oath and has provided his patients with the best possible protocol for treating respiratory illness in spite of government threats and malfeasance. And so, Dr. McCullough, welcome to the show. We are so grateful that you've made time to come and join us tonight once again. Thanks for having me. All right. So I want to dig into it because we don't have a lot of time for you. I want to give you a big shout out. There was a lady who had posted um, as people were coming into the chat and just wanted to thank you so much because of you. Her son had not uh, received the jab. And I'm sure that she speaks for many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of other people. You are well respected. People trust you. And you've been on the front line of this battle. So very, very grateful. All right. So let's get into it. I want to know, Um, what you have newest to report. I know that you've been before Congress. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Well, here we are four years into the pandemic. It's hard to imagine we're past that landmark. And uh, my contributions were in 2020 to devise the first multi-drug treatment protocol. I mean, a real protocol that gets step by step what should be done. That's been been called the McCullough Protocol. Copyright is published in the American Journal of Medicine became the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons Home Treatment Guide. That ter- that document to this day at aapsonline.org uh, became, in a sense, the Bible on how to treat COVID-19 early to prevent hospitalization and death. When we look at hospital care, there was no advancements in the treatment of hospital care. So your patients really didn't. Uh, uh, it, 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 it wasn't the case that the hospital was the major determinant of survival. There was a paper by Verdkirk and colleagues showing that it was all the pre-hospital care, that's where it really mattered. The other major document in 2020 was the Great Barrington Declaration by Jay Bhattacharya and colleagues. It basically said, listen, we don't need to lock down just protective measures for our high-risk seniors. So we get through 2020, 2021, the vaccines come, And, you know, in 2020, I was the only public figure that published an op-ed in The Hill titled The Great Gamble of the COVID-19 Vaccine Program. I was the only one who correctly called it, the only doctor in the world and the only public figure in writing that questioned the vaccines before they came out. I said, listen, I don't think this is going to work. And they certainly weren't safe. Within a few months, we saw record numbers of deaths. Pfizer on their post-marketing data had 1,223 deaths within 90 days of the vaccine. Our CDC indicates now we're well over 18,000 deaths reported to CDC, and I've reported them, in, in, sadly, in cases myself. And uh, about 1,150 of these, these deaths occurred uh, right in the vaccine center or a few uh, hours later, and then another 1,200 of the 18,000 American deaths occurred the next day. And this is underreported by about 30 to one. That means we're up to about 550,000 Americans that have died with the vaccine, where doctors think the vaccine caused the death. And now an analysis from epidemiologist Dennis Rancourt out of Montreal estimates for the world, concordant with the U.S. data, 17 million lives lost with the vaccine. So I testified in the U.S. Congress on... January 12th, 2024, and brought this information forward to a panel it was chaired by uh, Marjorie Taylor Green, representative from uh, Georgia, who's really, I think, grown and matured in her role. She's on the COVID select uh, uh, subcommittee for the House, um, along with Warren Davidson from Ohio, Andy Biggs from Arizona, and then uh, Senator Ron Johnson was there, Uh, The co-witnesses were Ryan Cole, pathologist, who trained at the Mayo Clinic, his former military officer, and Dr. Kirk Milhone, who's a pediatric cardiologist, also a former military officer. So we took uh, basically nearly three hours of questions, and I I can tell you, you know, as I will tonight, I cited all the data, and I did make a comment to the committee. I said, you know, Dr. Fauci just testified a few days before us in the same building, uh, the Rayburn building in Congress. And I said, I bet Fauci didn't cite a single paper. And I was right. They shook their heads. He didn't cite a single paper. So what's going on in the house now is is a search for proof of where this virus came from, the SARS-CoV-2 virus. It started to center in on Dr. Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. He looks like he created with Dr. Peter Daszak at the EcoHealth Alliance, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's part of this at the NIH and certainly funded it, and Dr. Xing Zheng Li, the Bat Lady in Wuhan. Those four appear to be the main targets who created SARS-CoV-2 somewhere between 2012 and 2015, where they published their results, and then it was some refinement in 2018. Uh, this is now all starting to come out. And today, doc, uh, Dr. Brad Wenstrep, who chairs the House COVID Select Committee, uh, put out a press release that the Health and Human Services Department, chaired by uh, Xavier Bashera, is actively obstructing their investigation. He won't let certain HHS employees testify regarding Peter Daszak and the EcoHealth Alliance involvement in the creation of SARS-CoV-2. Um, and so we've you know, seen slow progress. Uh, there's obvious corruption and malfeasance. Uh, the main thing the public has learned is the vaccines are not safe. In 2022, I called for the vaccines to be removed from the market on the floor of the U.S. Senate. The World Council for Health made the call uh, earlier in 2022. And, and now we have uh, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons making the call in 2023. So so if you want to show any Canadian authorities uh, that, you know, it's not just my opinion or yours. I mean, there are societies the uh, World Council for Health is a WHO-like international society. The AAPS is uh, the leading physician society in the United States of the top graduate doctors in the country. Uh, you know, the, the opinions have been rendered. The vaccines are not safe for human use. And now there's very good manuscripts that have drawn that conclusion. Peter Perry, first author from Australia, has uh, in a paper with Julian Gillespie, uh, two extensive reviews, uh, call for a moratorium on vaccination. And then a paper out in the last few weeks, first author is a former NIH uh, epidemiologist Nathaniel Mead. Uh, I'm a senior author in that paper, also concluding the vaccines are not safe for human use. So a lot of hard-hitting data now, and we're starting to see responses all over the world.
0: Well, it's really remarkable. I, I, I've said for years that the house of COVID is falling because you can't keep up a lie like this. You can't keep up this kind of tyranny and, and not expect at some point it's going to fall apart. And I don't know if you heard in Canada, we had a federal uh, justice uh, last week who had ruled against Justin Trudeau and the Liberals in response to the emergency measures and invoking that, saying it was unconstitutional, Unconstitutional. it was overreach and violation of Charter Rights, and this should set a precedent in legal actions moving forward. I was talking to uh, Rocco Galati, our attorney today, uh, because he just represented, uh, there was a motion to strike against Ted Kuntz and Vaccine Choice Canada's claim, and they addressed the uh, motion to strike yesterday, and they've been waiting forever to have this day in court and the judge ends up recusing himself, stating that there was a conflict uh, because of a committee and individuals that he has tied to. And now they're giving it a date as to May 2025 on February 14th, our appeal is going to be before the courts. Uh, Judge Ross ruled in 2021, uh, we have to uh, submit a an, an updated, a revised notice of civil claim, which is fine. And But the other point was, is that he had struck certain evidence from our claim, and therefore we needed to appeal that In order to have that as part of our notice of civil claim moving forward, parts of that were uh, matters that addressed uh, the global government as if those things were not applicable. Rocco, myself, uh, Ted Koontz have been criticized highly because of the size of our claim was 391 pages. But our strategy was that this is not a British Columbia problem. It's not a Canada problem. It's a global problem and that we're up against incredible corruption. And so we wanted everything on record in the court and we achieved that. Rocco has no problem putting toward p- forward a new notice of civil claim, um, and ours are one of the only court uh, cases that are still, based on COVID, still going forward in the courts in Canada. But they do not want Rocco in court addressing this issue, because they're going to lose. They're going down, and, and it's individuals like yourself— providing the peer-reviewed studies, speaking up on the front line and pushing back. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing how this is, I think, going to unfold very soon in the courts.
1: It's true. There's some other cases to watch. Uh, Many of you have seen a report out of uh, Australia, a a young person, and the the details are he was either employed or in school or some type of camp, but, but an entity forced him to take a vaccine as part of a mandate. He suffers myocarditis. And now a tribunal has issued uh, an award to the plaintiff that, uh, you know, a school or or an employer can't mandate a vaccine and then not have liability for what happens in terms of an injury. I thought that was an important case. My testimony has been used now twice, one uh, in the case that brought down uh, four out of the five Biden mandates, and then in a second instance uh, to get the vaccination out of the military. My reports have been used in the U.S. Supreme Court. So I'm doing everything I can I'm involved in probably over a hundred cases now, including some Canadian cases. So I've started the McCullough Foundation, uh, McCulloughFND.org. In the United States, the donations are tax deductible. So I'm doing all my work in the courts pro bono. So there's no charge to to you know the victims who have been wow. so greatly harmed uh, by this. Uh, so we've been very active, and we hope to see. Some additional legal action. Now, one of the things I did is I was a witness for Dr. Mark Trousey, who's an ER physician. Right. Uh, the CPSO recently has ruled against him in terms of restoring his license. So he's going to have to take his case in the court system. But they also recently ruled and tossed out allegations on another physician in Ontario. So we're kind of seeing split uh, decisions here uh, in the United States. Uh, multiple doctors, including myself, continue an ongoing appeal process with the American Board of Internal Medicine, who's hunting us for misinformation. And misinformation doesn't exist in my field, in medicine. There's simply scientific observations and, and reports, and we interpret them. We, there's always multiple points of view. No one holds information, and someone else holds misinformation. That doesn't occur. Yet, misinformation now has become a mesh heading in the National Library of Medicine uh, PubMed database. And academic medical centers are holding misinformation uh, conferences. Uh, the WHO has declared the single greatest threat against human health is not uh, heart disease or diabetes or cancer. It's actually misinformation. American Board of Maternal Medicine has said this, too. So keep, a, keep your eye out for misinformation. That's a propaganda term. It was used extensively in Nazi Germany. And we can't let that word creep into our vernacular.
0: No, and, and, uh, actually when I do my weekly updates and just for some of you who are just, uh, signing on right now, Dr. McCullough's come on early on the show tonight and we'll be wrapping it up early and I'll be doing my weekly update at that time. But I do highlight, uh, the WHO's, uh, plan to try to, uh, well, they're addressing uh, the he- vaccine hesitancy and aligning it with misinformation on social media and how to shut that down. One of the other tactics, of course, is also so to try to uh, soil or defame the good name of the doctors and the individuals who are standing on the front line. But I think that what's happened over the last four years, of course, it's all uh, back, uh, backlashing on them because you have a solid name. You have risen to the top, there is nothing that any government official can say against you that will stick any longer at this point. And and so now by anybody attacking you, they're only harming themselves. And so, yeah, go ahead.
1: It's true. You may have seen the fireworks in the lower House of Parliament today, Uh, Member of Parliament Andrew Brigden, uh, making some more statements regarding the lack of safety of, of the vaccines. And the prime minister got up and said, uh, I, let me reiterate, uh, the vaccines are safe and effective, and everybody jumped on this because obviously they're not the, the avalanche of, of uh, evidence now. You know, we're over 3,400 peer-reviewed papers in the medical literature. People ask me, Dr. McCullough, where can I find all the papers? They're in a very good uh, catalog database at react19.org, react19.org. Go over to the right and then click down on science and you'll get all the papers organized into different categories. The safety information is overwhelming. Now, my office every day is case after case of myocarditis, blood clots, neurologic damage, stroke. People have lost their jobs, disabled. People regret these vaccines. They've been the biggest disaster. It turns out that the vaccines are a bigger threat than COVID. See, with COVID in the United States, we had about 1.2 million deaths. Our CDC says that about 10% are really due to COVID pneumonia. The rest had other uh, major problems. So we've had maybe 120,000 deaths due to COVID. I told you 550,000 deaths due to the vaccine. The same is true elsewhere. You know, Canada, uh, you actually have lost uh, almost certain, you've lost more people due to the vaccine than the illness.
0: Well, and what we need to take into account when when you give those numbers is the fact that they weren't treating people with ivermectin. They were providing remdesivir. You know, they were they were actually. You know, there's a lot of reports I've had from people who've said they they've literally killed my loved one. Uh, They didn't Mm. treat them. They didn't give them the care. So then they name in a COVID death. Uh, I had a nurse who uh, was a whistleblower who provided me death certificates. You've got an 86 year old man, stage four cancer. And they literally had COVID death. So we can't even trust those numbers. But plus, could you tell me what would the average flu season deaths have been in a year?
1: Now, flu season deaths, they also have the same issue with attribution. So those who test positive and die is how the CDC counts it. But in uh, 2017, I believe the number was 72,000. And again, influenza is so interesting. Influenza is the same issue. If it's treated early and we have Tamiflu, another oral antiviral, we actually have an IV and we treat aggressively for secondary pneumonias, uh, influenza is extremely survivable. And it's pretty rare. You know, influenza, people our age, it's actually pretty rare. Uh, It's only about 15% of all hospitalized viral upper respiratory tract infections, 15%. Now the flu shot which is reasonably safe uh, sadly is ineffective most years it offers far less than 50% protection some years it's statistically insignificant from zero so i don't think we should bank on a flu shot we should be in the same uh, you know a state of alertness uh, a senior citizen sick with a high fever get a flu test and start early with an oral antiviral following it with a, an anti staphylococcal antibiotic and, and IV fluid if we need to. The only people who right. die with the flu, again, are people who are poorly treated, come from areas where they just haven't gotten prompt care. And, and sadly, some people are at the end of their, their lives from, from natural illness.
0: Right, and and on average, people, you know, as you say, in their 80s are more susceptible to be vulnerable to dying of the flu than someone who's younger, and you provide them the rest, the care, Uh, but Mm -hmm. in this situation, of course, they weren't, and they were forcing uh, the uh, so-called vaccine, I won't even justify it as a vaccine, this bioweapon on our elderly people to knock them off, and, uh, you know, if that and the isolation didn't do them in, and so it's been cruel and unusual punishment all the way around. I, I, I want to ask you a question because this is a rising concern. I'm I'm going to be uh, a grandmother for the first time. Baby, I know, I'm super excited. Baby's due tomorrow and I can't tell you I'm waiting for the call any moment. But an an issue has raised up um, a young, amongst young uh, parents in that a lot of loved ones have been jabbed. And the last time you were on the show, we did talk about shedding, we did talk about the fact that the uh, vaccinated were causing harm to the unvaccinated. And so what is your advice in this situation? How do we best handle a newborn baby when you've got vaccinated people that are obviously filled with love towards this little one and wanting to smooch and love it up and make that skin contact with them inside. I'm just kind of in a little bit of panic mode, uh, you know, when I think about it.
1: You know, last time we went out, <laughs> Tanya, do you know people made uh, Instagram videos of, uh, of lovers kissing with masks on and things like this? Um, uh, yeah, I don't know how that just kind of went viral out there. It must've been you on that one. Um, But uh, I can tell you things have been clarified. I have uh, interviewed Dr. Helene Benoon, who's published the most on this. Uh, Shedding, I think, is realistic in terms of the messenger RNA through breastfeeding in recently vaccinated mothers. So the first point is a mother should never take an experimental genetic vaccine ever, either before the pregnancy or during the pregnancy. But if they did, particularly if they took one late in the pregnancy. And, you know, the um, the CDC in the United States gives no caution about first, second or third trimester. They say take a vaccine at any time, even the primary series, two shots, which is extraordinary because uh, we know any vaccination during pregnancy has a risk to it because it can prompt fever And either cause uh, fetal loss in terms of a miscarriage, first trimester, stillbirth, middle trimester, or premature labor, third trimester. So, this is an extraordinarily risky proposition. But if a mother took a COVID 19 vaccine during pregnancies, particularly a third trimester, it may be transmitted through breast milk to the baby. And that's been shown in two papers by Hannah and colleagues. So, the messenger RNA threat, I think, is through breast milk to the child. Now, spike protein of which so many people have either with the infection, post-infection, or with the vaccine, you know, we're at the point now where it's almost ubiquitous. And Mm -hmm. I would say based on a paper by Brogna and colleagues, which demonstrated vaccine spike protein in the blood of people who took the shot, about half of them had it in the blood, that means it's going to come out in the sweat and secretions. I would say if someone took a vaccine within six months, uh, it probably should not handle the baby or get close. I would say beyond that, and again, we just don't know. At some point in time, we just you know we're just going to have to get on with life, and I imagine mm-hmm. babies will get exposed to spike protein. They'll you know they'll form uh, defenses against it, uh, but we're trying to avoid this kind of mainline, line, um, uh, you know, bystander vaccination through breast milk. The the two papers don't look good.
0: Well, and and on two of those issues, well, one with the. The spike protein concerns is we've had a lot of reports of uh, people whose pets got cancer, cats, etc. So you know that uh, this is unprecedented and so that it would have something to do with the vax. So we do want to caution people in in that sense uh, you know because it's so unknown the other thing is that when we talk about early on in uh, 2021 well in 2020 as soon as this came out because I'd already been working for five years trying to expose the government I wrote a report called Government Corruption Including with a Foreign Syndicate and in that report I launched it in April 2020 I named Bill Gates Bonnie Henry our health officer her alignment with Bill Gates uh, the vaccine and Trudeau's um, you know Uh, um, his alignment with it and what was going to happen to businesses, our children, elderly, etc. And uh, through all of that, I had a meeting with our top uh, police, top RCMP commissioner in British Columbia. And I sat across the table from him June, July of 2021, and I laid out this information And uh, we had already developed a relationship the year before regarding another matter. And so I stayed in contact with him and trying to report the harms of what the government was doing. And in April 2021, I called their office literally in tears saying, you know, you got to step in, you got to do something. Because now they were openly in Canada, the health officers were saying, go ahead, 12 year olds, you don't need your parents permission, go ahead and get the jab. And they were also, Bonnie Henry was super promoted it for pregnant women and there were already reports coming from the United States uh, from nursing mothers that children had intestinal infants had intestinal bleeding and so would you then highly recommend at this point to err on the side of caution for mothers who are nursing and to say to give formula to those children
1: I'd say if a woman took a vaccine through the course of pregnancy or third trimester, that they ought to consider it. Now let's get get some more data out there. Thorpe and colleagues, I'm senior author published compared to the flu vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine during pregnancy is grossly unsafe, precipitates fetal loss. Uh, It uh, causes both fetal and maternal hemorrhage. You mentioned gastrointestinal bleeding. Now there's about 30 papers in the peer-reviewed literature saying the vaccines are safe during pregnancy. But I'm going to tell you right now, those papers aren't trustworthy because it comes from authors who took the vaccine, their medical centers mandated the vaccine on the, uh, the doctors, the nurses and the patients. And they are simply not going to show the other side of this. And so I think in many ways, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, you know, they took essentially bribe money from the Biden administration and HHS uh, to to push the vaccines on pregnant women with no assurances on safety. You know, we would never give a vaccine that has a dangerous mechanism of action, installing the genetic code for the lethal Wuhan spike protein in a pregnant woman with no assurances on safety. And what I told the, the members of Congress is that, listen, we've got five years of worry now. The, the U.S. FDA says for a genetic product like Pfizer, Moderna, Janssen, or AstraZeneca, from the time of the last injection, we have five years of regulatory watchfulness. That problems emerging: blood clots and hemorrhages, heart damage, neurologic problems, immunologic problems, and now an emerging concern regarding cancer. So this is a this is where people need to you know s- stick to a conservative stance. Here we have a paper by Hoyerts and colleagues. National Center for Health Statistics. This is really disturbing. 2021 maternal mortality hit an all-time high. Women dying during pregnancy and 42 days after delivery. Uh, and uh, you, you know, we you, you, these are these observations that are just just astounding. Uh, the, the, you know, no no woman should lose their life during pregnancy, and there certainly shouldn't be. A mystery, you know. The poster child for this is U.S. Olympic sprinter Tori Bowie. Tori Bowie, uh, you know, had all the access to health care. Uh, she was in U.S. Uh, U.S. Track and Field Association that mandated the vaccines. She gets pregnant, and she's found dead at home at seven months of pregnancy, and the baby's dead too. I think yeah. this doesn't happen. This does not no. happen. No. We should immediately be concerned regarding the vaccine. And now a very important paper has been published by Holsher and Collings. I'm senior author, European Society of Cardiology. It has proven that the COVID-19 vaccines cause fatal myocarditis. And when we see these deaths with no other explanation, if they've been vaccinated, it's likely a vaccine-induced cardiac arrest. And this is now proven in the peer-reviewed literature. This is the most widely read paper, by the way, in in that journal, for the last two years, it's only been out for a couple of weeks now.
0: I want to encourage people as you hear Dr. McCullough talking about these reports it's like these are calls to action you need to take these reports you need to uh, register mail them to your health officials so you have proof that they received them because when this goes to court I mean these are heinous crimes against humanity Uh, this was targeted there is no doubt that they knew that this uh, this jab was going to cause mass destruction harm including death and Dr. McCullough I know we've only got a few minutes and there's a few things I want to quickly cover. But way back when, when I was creating the resources and the notices of liability with my team, I quoted you. I hadn't known you at the time. And you had said early on, typically with the new drug at about five deaths, unexplained deaths, we get a black box warning. Your listeners would see it on TV saying it may cause death. And then at about 50 deaths, it's pulled off the market. And we have far surpassed, at 17 million, and that's probably a low number, more to come, 17 million deaths, these dirty dogs are still out there promoting this jab. And that's a high note, right? Like when you see Trudeau, Bonnie Henry, Fauci, and others still promoting this, still holding the line, uh, these are the ones that are going to end up at the Nuremberg Trial too, and when they bring out the rope... Uh, There's going to be some hangings and it will not be a surprise that these ones are going to be first in line. It happened in Nuremberg one. These are, these are really horrendous crimes against humanity. And I do believe that people really need to be held to account, but you need to be on the front lines as well, people addressing this, serving our notices of liability, making sure that we accumulate all the evidence possible to, so that these people understand, you know what, justice is coming and how far do they want to go? How much longer are they going to uh, try to put up with this, this fraud and this tyranny?
1: Uh, you know what I think we're going to hear when this finally comes forward? We're going to hear from our public health officials and our government uh, leaders. They're going to say, listen, it was an emergency We had tough decisions to make. Uh, You know, we didn't know this was going to happen with the vaccine. And and I could see that type of argument in January, maybe February of 2021. That's it. That's it. I mean, by by that time, we already had the historic U.S. Senate hearings. I was the lead witness, November 19th, 2020. We had told the governments we could treat COVID from doctors who were treating it. So we are confident there. We had telemedicine networks set up. We had drug protocols, uh and, and you, you know, and then if the governments wanted to uh you know to feature government-provided drugs, we had Bamolivimab in November of 2020. There was really no reason for us to ever believe that a vaccine-only strategy was going to be the only thing that, that we could do. But now, come on, we're we're now three years into this mm-hmm. disastrous vaccine campaign, three years. No one out there believes there's an emergency right now. Everyone, listen, I was in Canada. I went to Red Deer between uh, Calgary and, and, and Edmonton. I'm, I'm just telling you right now, everyone is out. Thousands of people are out. We're through airports. The emergency has been gone a long time for, an, mm-hmm. for you know, a long time ago. Everybody can tell the emergency is over with. So we shouldn't have vaccines no. with this rationale that there's an emergency, and it was a tough choice.
0: No, and, and they, the Canadian government never commenced the Emergency Act in response to actual COVID-19. The trucker convoy they did, but not in response to COVID-19 oh. because Trudeau would have ended up in the parliament having to demonstrably prove that we were in an emergency, and he couldn't do that, and he would have lost control. Wow. And so it's so diabolical to know that there was never emergency. They had the ivermectin, they had hydroxychloroquine. That's why they tried to shut down all uh, of these treatments in order order to do this. And that's why we know this has been a targeted hit. Like this has not but, just but, been, but, you know,
1: but Tanya, but, mm-hmm. but let me understand this. So Trudeau invoked the the Canadian national emergencies act for the truckers protest, but he did, there wasn't a national emergencies for COVID-19. Nope.
0: No, never. It was done by the provincial governments who did it unlawfully. Okay. So they'd had to go through first, second and third reading provincially and each province quickly passed it through in BC. We were just going to go and uh, because you have to have public debate. So we were going to show up at the provincial legislature for the public debate to challenge what is the national emergency here, give us the evidence and they quickly passed it through second and third reading and then started their reign of terror implementing all of the masking mandates and lockdowns. And so that's why this report that I told you about, I did a call to action on, the government report and we sent it to every single premier in April of 2020 and said read the reports commence an investigation against the federal government you have a duty to protect your citizens from this get them back to work and there was crickets and so uh, when i was talking to the RCMP i said i believe that the prime minister is making backroom deals and providing incentives for the premiers to implement this and then it was 2 months later when the uh, Prime Minister of uh, Bel- President of Belarus came out and said that the IMF and World Banks had tried to bribe him with nearly a billion dollars U.S. to implement the measures, so I sent that to the RCMP mm-hmm. commissioner, Crickets. Yeah, so that's why I say early on, you know there's been no excuse for this to carry on except for the fact that there is something very nefarious and criminal uh, you know at the base of it.
1: Oh, wow. And this is a really stunning uh, sets of revelations for me uh, in the United States. It was President Trump who declared the national emergency. And then we had our uh, HHS secretary declare the public health emergency. So it was more top down. But, I, I, you, you know, many of you are following the World Health Organization, uh, Pandemic Treaty Alliance, International Health Regulations, this proposal for the WHO to be able to do this. And actually, uh, you know, supersede anything that uh, a premier or, or a president would do at a country level. And uh, now I was on national TV. You'll see it out there responding to the secretary general of the WHO, Tedros. Tedros is uh, getting frustrated that people are not enthusiastic about this, uh, this new attempt at a power grab by the WHO. Some countries are saying, listen, we're not going to participate in this. And there's worldwide public distrust of the WHO. So he's out there, uh, you know, declaring uh, conspiracies and conspiracy theory. And, you know, my response to that is that there's there's really no such thing as a conspiracy theory. We're rational theorists. Our rational conclusion is by reading the WHO documents, That they are attempting a power grab. They want dominion over all plants, animals, and humans. And you can see this because already this uh, attempt at power grab and control over the climate and farming has farmers up in arms and blocking roads and shooting manure on government buildings uh, in the Netherlands, Germany, uh, Ireland, and elsewhere.
0: I know it's quite fa- uh, fantastic to see what's going on, and I have always held the line. People were in panic, sign the petition against the WHO. They're going to take away our sovereignty, and I says, no, they're not. They can't. They're an unelected body that are interfering with our democracy, and they they have no power to overturn our uh, Constitution and our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Trudeau is a traitor, and uh, he is acting on behalf of a foreign body, and he needs to be arrested. It. So they, they, it doesn't matter if he comes into an agreement or not, it will be overturned, and we just need to assert our constitutional and charter rights and that's what got C- action for canada successful in keeping 45,000 teachers and school staff working because we asserted our rights throughout all of covid without any of them being put on unpaid leave or losing their jobs and and so canadians americans assert your rights don't panic about the world health organization and the un you know or what biden or trudeau are doing they're going down their time is coming but you need to assert your rights, the sooner you do, the sooner that you're brave enough to be having these conversations with others, the sooner that we're going to get through this. Okay, before you leave, Disease X, I need you to talk. just tell Uh, us about, what do you know?
1: Well, you know, I I, I don't know about you, but I was not paying attention during the pandemic planning for COVID-19. In Peter Bregan's book, COVID-19 and the Global Predators, you know, there were 36 covid Pandemic preparedness planning events, including uh, the PrEP Act in in 2005 and the Johns Hopkins Spars Seminar in 2015 and the event 201 in 2019. This was telegraphed that there was going to be a coronavirus pandemic. Fauci said this, that during Trump's administration, there will be a pandemic. And we look back on it, you know, 36 events, 25 of them written documents and six of them filmed. Now we're being told there's going to be a disease X pandemic. We better pay attention. We better listen. All the experts believe there's too many biolabs out there. There's too many gain of function uh, diseases that have been created among viruses, bacteria and fungi. And yeah, there probably will be a disease X because they are man-made biological threats by this biopharmaceutical complex that we outline in our book. That's trying to hold the cards on the threats and then the, the countermeasures, which are vaccines, monoclonal antibodies, and therapeutics. So what we're doing in the United States is people are actually getting armed. Uh, we have the wellness company uh, that has emergency kits that, uh, with instructions about how to handle a variety of diseases. Probably disease X is going to be another virus like covid And for most viruses, uh, the real threat is secondary pneumonias. And so you want to be ready for this. If if the country shuts down, the clinics no longer help people. You're going to need some backup. So United States Wellness Company, medical kits, there's some other options people can get online. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to fall for masking. Masking doesn't stop transmission of viruses or small particles. And, And what we need to do is to stay strong and show a lot more backbone this time than last time, myself included, a lot more backbone. And boy, we better see the Canadian doctors out there treating patients and not letting them suffer with disease X.
0: Right. uh, Trenzio, can you just share my screen for a moment? Because I want to show people on Action for Canada website where they can find some of the information that we're talking about so under COVID-19 under treatments we have a lot of information here that leads back to Dr. McCullough's website he has get provided protocols the Vax spike protein protocol and Dr. Mm-hmm. McCullough are you finding that uh, individuals that got vaxxed that are struggling that under this protocol if you just scroll down mm-hmm. the page uh, that people are benefiting from this?
1: Yeah, two, two peer-reviewed papers. I'm the lead on this. McCullough Protocol Base Spike Protein Detoxification. It's a base. It's a proposal that we use broadly, natokinase, bromelain, and curcumin, three over-the-counter supplements. You'll see the doses there. Natokinase, 2,000 unit, units twice a day. Bromelain, 500 milligrams once a day. Curcumin, 500 twice a day. In between meals, to begin to detoxify to help the body degrade the spike protein and get it out. It accumulates with COVID and the vaccine. And uh, in addition, you know, doctors can add other drugs depending on what the syndrome is, but uh, most people now are using these three in combination wellness company offers uh, a nice trio that probably the best kinase out there is wellness company spike support natokinase five minor ingredients. I, you know, uh, in declaring, um, Uh, My uh, disclosure here is I do advise the company as the chief scientific uh, officer, but Canadians have this available to you through natural uh, health stores, online merchants, uh, Amazon. You can get this trio, natto, kinase, bromelain, and curcumin. I know on Amazon, many vendors have just actually packaged them as three because uh, the evidence uh, supporting this proposal is so strong. Now, clinically, we are seeing people get better, but it takes a long time. Three, six, nine, twelve months. It's not in three days of this, uh, people are right. getting better. But what we've noticed is what's most responsive are the neurologic uh, features of this: the tinnitus or ringing in the ears, brain fog, small fiber neuropathy. The neurologic is most responsive. Blood clots. We still need, even though this is a minor blood thinning regimen, we still have to use serious blood thinners for myopericarditis, We have to use colchicine, sometimes corticosteroids. Um, you know, recurrent COVID, we're, we're obviously using hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. I've also used Paxlovid and molnupiravir. I'm certainly not against using some of the emergency use authorized drugs. I don't think the antivirals are as critical as other drugs. But let me tell you what, to do nothing with long COVID or just try to uh, cover up the symptoms with uh, gabapentin or, or paracetamol, it just doesn't work. The body has too much spike protein in it from these vaccines. Do you know? I did a Twitter poll. Tanya, I did a Twitter poll. I said, Who in the world out there has taken seven shots at the time? I just didn't think anybody had taken seven shots. I was stunned. I think the number was about 9% yeah. of people responded, say they took seven shots. And I said, Who are these people? And you know who they were? Canadians, Canadian healthcare workers. Some of them have taken seven or more shots. Their bodies are loaded with spike protein.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's shocking and it's heart-wrenching. And so many were convinced and some still remain convinced that that is the way to go. So um, I just, for a friend, I want to ask one question and then I'm going to let you go. Mm. Uh, a friend who is 67 years old, had back pain and coughing for a while and was told there was nothing wrong, just fatigue. She's now been hospitalized and they found her heart function is at only 10%. Have you come oh, across this being related to the jabs? Is there anything mm-hmm. that can be done to help her heart regain its function at this point?
1: It's I've seen many cases like this. And what happened was there probably was myocarditis early, and it wasn't recognized. Probably about 60% of the myocarditis is not recognized early. And one of the consequences can be late heart failure or a cardiac arrest. I've had one patient take a, a single injection of Pfizer and he went all the way to requiring a heart transplant. So, this patient at an ejection fraction of 10% is in really uh, a serious condition. Now, a normal heart ejection fraction, it, that's the amount of blood ejected with each beat, that number normally is 55 to 75%. But at 10%, you can see that that's very low. The risk of a, a cardiac arrest is high. Likely a defibrillator will be needed multiple drugs for heart failure, maybe even a heart transplant would be needed. Now, with mm-hmm. transplant, uh, by the way, my uh, my show this week on America Out Loud Talk Radio features a Canadian who went through a renal transplant. So make sure you go to America Out Loud News and check out the McCullough Report. You're going to want to hear the story of Don Halbert, who's a Canadian who went through this. Here's the thing. Vaccination can ruin a transplant. Because the COVID vaccine installs the genetic code for the spike protein, the spike protein stirs up autoimmunity and inflammation, and it can attack even the transplanted organ and cause failure. So the last thing we want to do is have a transplant patient take a genetic vaccine or the donors take a vaccine. And yet this is what the transplant programs are doing. So my patient who... uh, who needed mm-hmm. heart transplant, he came down to even after the transplant, they said, take a second shot. He goes, I won't do it. He said, the first shot put me in this position. He told the doctors, no way.
0: Right, we've had a, a lady from Alberta who actually passed away because they refused her trans, uh, transplant. She was unvaccinated and they wouldn't yeah. provide her a transplant unless she got vaccinated. And like I said, it is so diabolical, uh, the, the crimes that are being committed here. And I can just imagine what you consistently see on the front line. Anyways, yeah. I don't want to hold you up any longer. Thank you for accommodating us regarding the co- time change. And uh, Dr. McCullough, all the love and uh, God bless you and the work that
1: you're doing. Well, thank you so much. Let me just uh, just give your audience, just a a locator for me. So go to my website, petermcculla.md.com. That'll take you everywhere uh, on the internet. I have a top doctor account on Twitter of any doctor who sees patients in the world, P underscore McCulloughMD. I'm also on Getter to Social Telegram. And uh, go check out my podcast, America Out Loud News, McCullough Report, 2 p.m. Eastern, every Saturday and Sunday. Then it's on the Apple iHeart. Podcast network after that. My sub stack, Courageous Discourse, the leading sub stack in the world on medical issues, over a thousand graphical abstracts, interviews, you know, 90% of it's free content. So why not sign up for uh, Courageous Discourse? Make sure you get a copy of my book, Courage to CourageToFaceCovid.com. When I That's come me. back to Canada, we're going to have another big book festival. This is the top book out of the COVID genres, it's written by best selling author John Leake. Um, it's been five star rated. And 10, you know what? Amazon tried to censor our book. They actually took it off their platform for 12 days and we had a big showdown. They said suddenly they thought it had offensive content. We knew that nefarious actions were taken by some some entity in this biopharmaceutical complex. Fortunately, we prevailed and it's back up on Amazon. So you want to go to courage to face dot com and get your copy of the book. You can read about two and a half hours. It's a gripping true crime narrative of what's going on. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough from Dallas, Texas, United States. So great to be on with you, Canada. I will be back up. I'm already making arrangements this summer and uh, hope to meet many more of you out there. Keep fighting. This has been a tough time, but you're on the right side of history.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Let me know when you're in Canada and I'll make every effort uh, to be at whatever uh, event that you'll be attending. And uh, once you sign off here, I'm going to go back to our web page. Every time we have you on the show, we provide all of the links to oh, how great. people can follow you. I'll review those again so they're easily accessible to our viewers. And they will be in the description of the Rumble video below if you're watching this after the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, fantastic, I love having Dr. McCullough on. He is, he's not just an American hero, he's an international hero. Uh, When all of this is done, I think there should be, uh, you know, his picture should be on one of the American uh, fiat bills, if we still have those, at least on a stamp, (laughs) and uh, that he should be highly honored uh, for his courage, courageous discord, like he says, as part of his book. One, you can always search under the magnifying glass. You just put in Dr. McCullough and several things will come up because we've had him on the show numerous times. But again, under COVID-19, if you are listening to about the information about his uh, treatments that he is recommending to fight the uh, spike proteins and to break those down in your system if you've been jabbed i know that somebody in the chat had said what if you haven't been jabbed is it recommended uh, it is actually recommended to uh, help fight those as we said they're shedding going on you may be in your workplace it may be with uh you know somebody that you're living with went out and got jabbed i know that one of our chapter leaders already put this in the q a But uh, her mom and her sister were highly jabbed and she ended up uh, getting cancer. She is uh, in stage one cancer and is in the midst of taking the ivermectin and this uh, protocol that Dr. McCullough is uh, recommending. So, you know, we got to be cautious. It is, uh, you know, a new day that we're living in. And I know that as we are uh, healing relationships with those within our family, our network, our friendships who we have individuals who that light is coming on and they're like, oh my goodness, you're right. And now we have relationships with people who have been double jabbed and possibly with the boosters. And, uh, how, how do we maintain those relationships and be safe for ourselves and our loved ones as well? So it is a time of grace. It is something truly unprecedented that we're navigating through. And, uh, so I just want to move this up a bit and just go over it. So under COVID-19 treatments, once again, you can go down to, uh, back, uh, spike protein protocol as well as the treatment protocols for those who are healthy. We've created a page with Dr. Peter McCullough where you can see the uh, last video interviews that we did with him. One of them went completely viral. And so we encourage you to revisit those. Scroll down the page. You will see all of his websites. I do have to update his Substack to Courageous Discord Substack. Um, I'll make sure to do that. And then down below our protocols, it's always we want to make these links as easy as possible to to access. Let's go to our next week's guest is going to be none other than our friend, Mr. Ted Kuntz from Vaccine Choice Canada. Ted and I are going to be talking about our legal actions. We're going to uh, be talking about the successes that we've already had just by filing our cases that a lot of people don't understand and know, even though they're trying to prohibit us and delay us from getting in the courts. We've already had massive wins and so we'll talk about those next week we're all going also going to talk I alluded in the weekly action that went out this week that we've been vicious- viciously attacked by a little mob and we're going to talk a little bit more about that individual and provide you some information we've been quiet for three and a half years uh, but we think that it is time that you be informed as well Okay, so in closing the Empower Hour, don't leave because I'm going to do the weekly update. For those of you who were a little backwards here, normally I do the week- weekly update before the Empower Hour, and it's going to be a good one. And um, okay, so our Bible verse for this week, I have two of them, and we're talking about the body and how to care for it. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. That means care about what goes into your body and how you treat yourself. Take care of yourself uh, to the best of your ability. I know many of you were deceived. Many of you were duped into taking this. uh, Maybe you were exploited into it, threatened. I'm going to have a video that's coming up in the weekly report that's going to show Justin Trudeau outright lying. You could be one of those people. And just pray. Pray that God would heal your body. Take the protocols. Trust Him. And that goes into our next verse that I hope will give you some comfort. It's from Philippians 4, 6 to 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.